Hi everybody, good to see you. Those I already know and those I don't and faces from the past, hello. Okay, if you've come for a quiet evening, you're in the wrong place. Uh, um, you, and you can leave now, it's okay, no, no offense. All right, uh, I have two questions to kick off the evening. Um, Evanly, I'm gonna speak for about an hour um, and then we will see what God does. Um, Sarah suggested an activation, so uh, if you've brought demons along with you and you want to be delivered, that's okay. Um, they will go quietly. Uh, I have two questions. Um, first, first question is, do the demons know your name? In Acts, the seven sons of Sceva, it's recorded, were, had a deliverance ministry. Uh, but then they really got out of their depth and the demon said to them, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? And it said that the demon uh, beat up the seven men. And so, do the demons know your name? That's the first question. Jesus, um, let's, our focus is, is Christ. Our focus is not on the demonic. Uh, our focus is Jesus. So let's begin with Jesus and look at Matthew 9. Very familiar verses. Um, pick it up 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And if you're dealing with Jesus, um, he will get you to pray and then look for you to be the solution to what you've just prayed. It's called a, a divine setup. And if you're any doubt about that, um, the narrative continues. Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. The first people sent out by Jesus were the twelve, the twelve apostles. What do we read? Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits. First thing was to receive authority. The second thing was to drive out impure spirits. Straight off the bat, in the deep end, uh, welcome to real life Christianity and so the Lord wants to know are you doing that there's two parts to that one is have you received and taken up the authority which Jesus has given you because this is about relationship of knowing him elsewhere it said he prayed all night chose the 12 disciples and called them to be with him. See, we're called to be disciples who are with him. So, a side question, are you with him? If you are with him, he has given you the authority to do a lot of things. The seven sons of Sceva had no authority because they hadn't been with him. Paul had been with him. The seven sons of Sceva hadn't. Paul understood who Jesus is and he understood who he was and so he received the authority which Jesus gave him. So the key to receiving authority is really knowing who Christ is, being with him, but the big deal is knowing who you are in Christ. You never want to get into a fight which you're going to lose. You never want to get into a battle which you're going to lose. The secret is preparation. And so in the realm of the spirit, it's really knowing who Christ is and being in a very close relationship with him. 
as you are in a very close relationship with Jesus he will make clear to you who you are and Jesus is a no doubter doubt doesn't go well in the realm of the spirit how am I doing is this helpful I'm sure it's very familiar territory but we have to receive the authority but look what the first thing he did he said he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits elsewhere it says Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the evil one so in our pursuit of him we don't focus on the demonic we don't focus on the impure spirits but they were sent we have been sent you know suddenly we, we've been sent to Nova Scotia you've been sent to Winnipeg you've been sent to Manitoba which means he's put you here to represent him and a big deal is having the character of being with him and taking up the authority which he has given you revelation it says I would that you were hot or cold and not lukewarm wishy-washy Christians do not operate well and you will not drive out demons if you're a wishy-washy Christian what's a wishy-washy Christian is a Christian who lives in doubt and unbelief so Lord we just pray for the people here that they're overwhelmed with your love and you release fresh revelation of who you are and who we are and we would receive and take up the authority which you have given us see it's great for me to talk here I'm having a great time you know I love doing this I mean I am I'm, you know and it's nice of you to come along and listen but the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk talk is easy the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk but a power and power comes from authority and authority comes from being in close relationship with Jesus hi there but it began there and let's read on so and to heal every disease and sickness you hear a lot about healing but you don't hear much about driving out demons why is that because the demons don't like that and they will do everything they can to prevent the church operating in the authority Jesus gave us and actually doing what he said and if you have any doubts he calls the twelve and then these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions do not go to the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans go rather to the lost sheep of Israel then as you go this is well-known discipleship teaching as you go this is what you do proclaim this message we proclaim with our voice and our actions the kingdom of heaven has come near the kingdom of heaven in simple terms is the presence and the rule and the authority of the king Jesus that's the kingdom and as you all know the kingdom of heaven is within us and one of the things I'm saying at the moment is Jesus is saying please let me out you know we love stuffing him in but he's saying when are you gonna let me out and the Holy Spirit saying the same you know you all enjoy the spirit and the things of the spirit and all the feel the presence of God and it's wonderful but when are you gonna let him out that's the challenge facing us as the church part of letting him out is being in close relationship and doing and saying what he's told us to do so this is Matthew 10 all right then he says this heal the sick raise the dead cleanse those who have leprosy drive out demons freely you have received freely give and if you read the Gospels especially Mark Jesus demonstrates all that he proclaimed the kingdom he cast out demons he raised the dead he healed the sick he cleansed the lepers he demonstrated the kingdom and then he said to the disciples go you do the same I've given you authority to do the same and then we're all familiar with the Great Commission the 12 were sent the 72 were sent and then the 2 billion or however many there are of us were sent but it was the same Matthew 28 18 all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore 
and make disciples. Disciples are not pew sitters. Disciples are those who actually take up the authority of being with Christ and we get out and advance the kingdom. We proclaim the message and we drive out demons. We heal the sick. We raise the dead. We cleanse lepers. We teach all people. I had to laugh, Cyrus, because obviously Sean Bolt's been in Winnipeg. But 18 months, Sean Bolt's prophesied to Pauline and I. And the message was all about me being a teacher. And so... I am not a straight line teacher, as you know, as many of you know. I go all over the map. All right, I'm like windshield wipers going backwards and forwards. Why is that? Because my real gift is prophetic. And so I'm stirring you up. And sort of machine gunning you with information to challenge you to come on. We've got to get on the same page with Jesus here. Hello. Second question. This is the main question of the evening. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question you listen to the first thing that comes to your mind um, it's a very personal question who sits on the throne of your life I've counseled a lot of people all over the world I pray for deliverance for uh, people yeah all over the world and um, there, are, there are three answers to that question which I've heard from Christians the third answer is Jesus. The second answer is me. Oh, I mean Jesus. First answer, me. I'm not going to ask you what you answered. But the Lordship of Jesus is a big deal. It really is. And God is bringing us to see the fulfillment of Galatians 2.19 and 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I do live, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. And elsewhere, Jesus said, those who believe in me will do these works and greater works. I'm sort of firing scripture at you as we go. But our relationship with Christ knowing who he is and who we are, centres around his lordship. Agreeing with Jesus is a big deal. He's not interested in my opinion, which means he's not interested in your opinion either. He's really interested in our love and obedience. So let's get back to the notes. How did I do? Have I passed so far? <laughs> that means I'm giving myself a little break and, and you a little break just as we move on. All right. So, yeah, so far so good. Um, our focus is Christ. Our focus is Jesus. So let's do that. Ephesians 6, spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. This very very familiar the problem with this passage is Jesus wants us to live it Cyrus you all keep an eye on the time and you'll frantically wave when enough is enough yeah, yeah. if my wife frantically waves it means I'm in big trouble Ephesians, yes, you see, she's right in front. <laughs> Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Don't be strong in your own strength. Much of the Christian life is bringing us to an end of our own strength that we operate in him. It's be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. And, and in brackets it says, thank you very much. Um, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which means is, he doesn't want us building his church. He is totally more than capable of doing that. He wants us to fit in with him. 
That is a big deal. It really is. But the church Jesus is building, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church which Jesus is building is an aggressive church. It's aggressive because he came to destroy the works of the evil one by advancing his kingdom, his rule and authority. His church are meant to be like him. So I said, we don't go out pursuing demons for the sake of it. As we go, they will come across our path. Not only that, they will try and block our path. They will try and stop us, shut us up, close us down, steal, kill, destroy. Because we are such a threat. Christians who really live in the power of Jesus are a real threat. It's been my privilege to connect with all sorts of wonderful people around the world. I've connected with some missionary people in an Asian country. See, there are demons in people, and then there are demons all around us. Um, they have dealt with so many demons in that country. Jesus has said to them, can you leave a few for other people? I actually use them to train my people to operate in authority. Well there, that country, they know it's all about the realm of the spirit. It's either pagan worship, idolatry, or Jesus. There's no wishy-washy grey area. It's far more straightforward. Hello. God wants that in Canada. That the brightness of the light dispels the darkness. Grey is not a godly colour. If you can hear what I'm saying, you know, he created grey, but mixture is not a godly colour. Godly colours are distinctive and bright and vibrant. Well, we are meant to be shining bright lights. He wants to clear out the grey in us. So, back to Ephesians 6.10. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The church he is building, we take our stand. Our first posture is to stand strong in the Lord. And probably what we'll deal with later is the family of fear. Two of the enemy's major weapons are fear and intimidation. The secret of spiritual warfare, <coughs> deliverance, is you don't fight on the enemy's ground, you get with Jesus. And you operate from heaven rather than operating on the ground level you rise above but then Paul says this that our struggle is not against flesh and blood flesh and blood needs to be saved and delivered no matter what they're like how much they may be cooperating with the evil one our struggle is not against flesh and blood but it's against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms how many of your translation it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood again all right but we wrestle against these spiritual forces wrestling the last time i checked is not a long distance sport they're in your face up close personal all right so I don't know whether you know this but um, you would have when you long before you got saved you'd have demons assigned to you to ensure you didn't get saved and control your life after you did get saved you would have demons assigned to you to prevent you growing in the Lord and coming being with him as you get the victory over your spiritual authority increases so you get higher ranking demons assigned to you so if you have a promotion at work it can feel like all hell breaks loose before you actually get into the job or you get into the job and all hell has broken loose around you anybody had that happen to you yeah well for the sake of the recording lots of people nodding and one or two people even brave enough to wave their hands 
Why is that? Higher ranking demons have been assigned to you. You learn to defeat them. As you have authority over them, you have ever increased authority in your sphere, in your realm. When David became king, what was the first thing that happened? The Philistines attacked. That is an illustration. He was made king. The enemy said, we'll see about that, and sent the Philistine army against him. But they were defeated. And you read about the ever-increasing power and authority of David until he majorly sinned. And then all sorts of trouble followed. Jesus wants to train you to take up the authority he has given you to deal with these forces. It's personal and then it's corporate. Some of you are looking very quizzical. All right. That would be my testimony. You learn that things come against you which are not part of you. And it's the enemy trying to close you down, shut you up, stop you having a relationship with Jesus through all sorts of ways. Discouragement, whole range of Ds are the weapons which are used, but behind it are demonic forces loosed against you. But look what Ephesians 6 says. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. That's, a, that's repeated. It was beginning, put on the armour of God. Repeat, put on the full armour of God. So it lists some of them, but there's a whole lot more. It is about being clothed with Christ. It's about being filled with Christ. It's about knowing who he is. It's about knowing who you are. It's receiving and recognising the authority which you have been given. And then living in it. Verse 13. Therefore put on the full armour of God so when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground. It is not one step forward and three steps back in the kingdom. It's forward, stop, hold our ground. Forward, hold our ground. Forward, hold our ground. The church is not in retreat. Amen. Yes, yes. But you wouldn't know it. Why is that? Well, that's why we're talking on deliverance. It's recognising who he is, who we are, and what he has told us to do but receiving his authority personally and corporately. It says in Proverbs, greater is he who guards his heart than he who takes a city. What is he saying? I know the strongholds within you. You have personal victory, you can take a city. But gaining personal victory is harder than taking a city. That's why the power, the rule of authority, the lordship of King Jesus in us is a big deal. It's crucial. But once you know that, once you know who you are, well then, we will advance without fear. Then he says this, stand firm then. Then he actually gets to the, the armour, but there's a lot of preparation. The focus isn't on the armour, the focus is understanding the war and what we're meant to do. And it's stand. And having done all, stand and keep standing. But it's advance. Then he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
The thing about the armour is, people put it on every morning. That's wonderful. But why did you take it off the night before? <laughs> if I can gently say, don't do that. Sleep in your armour. You can affirm every morning, but don't take it off. War doesn't stop just because you go to sleep. How do you know that? How many of you have troubles in your dreams and so on? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Okay. What time is it, Cyrus? Okay. Good. It felt right to shift gear. Um, so I could go on speaking from the scriptures through this. Um, but I trust this resonates with you and then is helpful. I'm trying to make it practical. Um, let's look at 1 John 1, 4 to 10. Let's begin actually verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. This is the Apostle John who was with Jesus speaking. This is 1 John 1 and actually going to start at verse 3. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so you also may have fellowship with us. That is a powerful word of community, of relationship. It's all about fellowship. And it says this, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is called to be with him, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. It's about fellowshipping with him. Because then you know him and you also know what he wants and what he's releasing you into we write this to make our joy complete this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you god is light and in him there's no darkness at all but what he's then goes on to say that is what we are meant to be like we are light and in him is meant to be no dark in us is meant to be no darkness in us because we are in him and it's understanding the brightness of the light which radiates out through every one of us if we could but see it but in the spirit realm we are very visible but he says this god is light in him there's no darkness at all if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness we lie and do not live out the truth he, Apostle John, is really hammering something up home here. We claim to have fellowship with him, but if we walk in darkness, we're just lying. We're just deceiving. The crucial thing is walking in fellowship, but if we really are walking in fellowship, there isn't any darkness associated with us. And so personal deliverance has to do with driving out the darkness in us, attached to us, clinging to us. See, John can write this. If we claim to have fellowship with him, we can't walk in darkness. Darkness includes a mixture of light and darkness. And so we'd say, well, we don't walk in darkness, but what are the dark spots associated with us? There's no dark spots associated with us, wonderful. But the light dispels the darkness. And behind the darkness are demonic forces who would hold on to the darkness to discredit us and weaken us so we cannot truly fight this battle. We claim to have fellowship with him, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son purifies a small sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us so look this is what john's saying there must be a real reality in the fellowship we have with him 
but by fellowshipping with Jesus, letting his light shine into us, it will expose things in us which are not from him and don't belong to us. Do you agree? That's a relief because that's what the word of God's saying. All right? But it becomes very practical. It's just recognizing in these areas, I am not Christ-like. So we repent. Ask him to change us. But we so often found, find there is a demonic presence holding on to keep us in the darkness. To hold on to some sort of control in our lives. And what God wants is us to have personal victory in our own lives. But not wallow in that, spending our entire life in introspective, saying, Lord, I repent of this. Lord, this attitude is wrong. This judgment is wrong. This offence is wrong. Lord, I repent. And I ask you to set me free from this. And will you set me free from every demonic force which is behind it? So, what he's writing there is a very mature apostle writing to the church and saying this is really important. We understand this because he really wants the church to be all that we're meant to be. So, before we were saved, Ephesians 2 tells us we were under control of the prince of the air. And our thoughts and our actions and our deeds reflected that, to whatever degree. Then we were born again of the Spirit of God. And then we get filled with him. By being filled with the Lord, it exposes the poles of the evil one on our lives so that they can be dealt with. Some of them are because of our own personal sin. We repent. We don't wallow in self-pity. We repent and say, Lord, set me free of this. There are strongholds in our lives because other people sinned against us. The enemy is not a gentleman who breaks in wherever he can. He uses fear, intimidation, trauma, whatever else, hurts. But he's looking for the opportunity to get in on the inside and control us. When we come under the Lordship of Jesus, he casts them out. But we have to partner with him in seeing ourselves free. One of the classic lines the enemy uses against us is when, when we say, oh, that's me. I'm like that. Uh, that's a demonic lie. Jesus has all the power necessary to change us to be like him. We just have to partner with that and stand our ground and stand together and see it released. So, personal sin, personal trauma, then there's generational sin. Demons attach themselves to our ancestors. And if it works with my grandfather, they hang on there to see if it works with my dad. And if it works with my dad, he comes to see if it works with me. So it's understanding that. That's part of being freed from generational issues. And being free of generational curses and demonic forces which have operated down the generations it's cutting it off freeing it us from that but then there's antichrist thoughts and behavior which were familiar they were familiar mindsets and jesus has to win the battle of the mind to clear out the strongholds of the mind that we have the mind of christ it's recognizing the antichrist thoughts and behavior which we used to walk and he wants us to set free of all of it then there are the cultural lies 
Our culture lies to us. There are things which are accepted in our culture which are just plain simple demonic lies, a reflection of the principalities and powers, spiritual forces of wickedness in high places, ruling in our nation. And they do everything they can to invade the church. It's easy because we think it's normal. We think that's normal. Well, it's not. The only normality is Jesus Christ. And he is bringing everything in his church into line with him. So, I know I'm talking around this. I'm just trying to give you keys as we go. One of the things which we learn to get free on, free on are soul ties. How many of you have ever been set free of a soul, ungodly soul tie? Some sort of relationship which was very negative in your life. Okay, that's good. The problem is, of any soul tie, the demons associated with that person attach themselves to your life. So breaking the soul tie is step one. Getting them cleared, their influence cleared out of your life is crucial. It's understanding that. So it isn't as though we will keep focused on Christ. Who he is, what he's saying, what he's doing. So the key question is, who sits on the throne of your life is a big deal. All right. So I'm going to shift gear again. Because you're only really getting headlines through, through, through this. The end of 1 John, it says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols which is a very interesting thing to finish the letter off with. You know, you normally wrap up, but it's like a PS. Oh, I've really got to tell them this. Well, we live in a country of idolatry. We live in a continent of idolatry. Our culture is trained to worship idols. From prime ministers to pop stars to sports stars, to whomsoever stars. We live in an idolatrous culture. The problem is, the biggest idol in our culture is the idol of me. We live in a culture where we're taught to worship me. And not Keith Miners, but each one of us personally. It's all about me. That's idolatry. And that has to be broken. We have to be set free from it. So, God really wants to turn the lights on for us to see things and not get paranoid, but just say, okay, Lord, how do I get free? Well, the keys to getting free, there's a simple process. You recognize, okay, this isn't right in my life. And confess it to the Lord, saying, Lord, this is not right. This is not being like you. Lord, I repent of that. It may be because of the sin of other people against you that that has come into your life. And so forgiveness is a powerful weapon. But we renounce it. We renounce it. If you know who you are and you know who Christ is and you know the authority he has given you, uh, deliverance is very straightforward. And the demons said to the seven sons of Sceva, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? They recognize we know the authority we have out of relationship with Christ. All right, this is a famous story of, um, story of A.A. Allen, who was very famous in Canada. To set people free of demons, he would just get down on the floor, say in the, uh, into the person's ear, I am A.A. Allen and the demons would leave. The reason? He knew who he was. He preached it, he lived it, he taught it, and he knew he had authority. Well, God wants you to live the same way. God wants you to live the same way. My wife was saved before I was. Uh, demonic force against, came against her. And she dealt with it on her own as a new Christian. And it left. See, she knew the authority which she had 
wasn't familiar with exercising it but when she had to she did and it left okay how, how am I doing how much long have we got 15. okay good so I'm trying to get more and more practical and saying look I'm repeating myself I'm going over things but it's how to set yourself free from demons in your life one is recognizing this isn't right this isn't Christ-like why is that so you repent you confess you forgive but then you ask the Lord Lord is there a demonic force associated with this and if in doubt assume there is and say I renounce you in Jesus name and get out of my life now my wife has another story where a few years later when I was saved demonic force came against her and she commanded it to go and wasn't going and she said she said to the demon if you don't go I'll get Keith on you and it left and I'm going seriously <laughs> really all right but you see that's where God wants all of us to live and far beyond that that you are such a threat in the spirit realm being who you really are you don't have to you don't have to go looking for them we're surrounded by them but it's the personal battle that you win and then we help one another one of the really important gifts to ask and I majored on this for years out of all the list is the discernment of spirits you really need to know what is coming from the Lord and what is not coming from the Lord that is so valuable and crucial that you take up your authority but you you don't try and deliver people of the, what the Holy Spirit's doing and Bond's laughing and I'm laughing and Peter's laughing because we know that is common you've got to know it's the Lord and not assume because you don't understand it that it must not be God fellowship relate all right so for the purposes of this evening I could keep firing away here it's a vast subject um, two major families of the demonic in people's lives are the fam demonic family of fear this fear which is the fear of putting your fingers in the fire that's a natural safeguard but the end, primary weapon of the evil one is fear 365 times it says fear not you've heard messages on this haven't we all but it's the reality it's the major weapon of the evil one if he can get us into fear he's got a stronghold in our life what goes with fear panic anxiety <laughs> all right but God teaches us to have the victory over it not once but it'll seek to come back if he believes he can get a hold there's corporate fear it says in scripture men's hearts will fail them for fear of what is coming on the earth God cannot having the church living in fear we cannot fear what the world fears yeah. we've got to be people of faith who are the solution that will be increasingly true we are called to be people of faith unbelief is a major demonic power in our lives as is doubt sort of part of this large family associated with fear the enemy will seek to traumatize us paralyze us so we won't stand rise up take our place we will shut down we will agree with him I'm not going to risk saying anything there again well that's we take something in there and curse ourselves we close down and God's saying I'm right with you 
I'm right with you. I'm not worried about this. So don't be worried. So if it's fear, panic, anxiety, worry, that's a whole family of where the demonic entities try and control us through thoughts and whatever strength. And so often when praying for people to be set free, there are ruling spirits of fear out of the family, it becomes a major stronghold and it becomes our identity. If your identity is fear, you know there's something wrong. It's sort of saying, okay, where are my thoughts, my actions, not Christ-like? Where am I closed down, shut up? Where am I not walking in this? Because the power of the living God lives in us. We should be living in freedom. Where we're not living in freedom, we have to say, okay, Lord, there's something wrong here. What do I need to be set free of? And so part of what I'm saying is, you can deliver yourself, but it's very effective to get other people to pray with you because that's the body functioning. And isolation is one of the weapons the enemy uses. Another big family, a demonic family, is the family of rejection. How many of you have ever been rejected in your life? Is there anybody very unusual, honey, you've never been rejected? Rejection is part of our lives. However, uh, God said to Cain, if you do what is good and right, I will accept you. But if you don't, sin is crouching at the door to get you. God warned Cain, the problem is sin really was crouching at the door to get him, and he killed Abel. Because his offering was not accepted by God, he received it as rejection. Rejection will go generally one of two ways. After rejection comes resentment. After resentment becomes bitterness. After bitterness becomes anger. After anger comes hate. And after hate comes murder. So what is a simple story actually is a little nugget of saying he felt rejection, he wasn't being rejected, he interpreted as being rejected and so it led to murder. If you struggle with any of that family there is a demonic spirit behind that seeking to hold you captive. At extremes if you have murderous thoughts it doesn't come from you, it comes from a demonic force which is trying to control you. The same with anger, it's bitterness, and you can go off with anger, rage, or however it manifests. But the other way rejection goes is we believe what the people are saying. That becomes self-rejection. Self-rejection leads into self-pity. Self-pity leads into self-loathing. Self Self-loathing leads into self-hate and self-hate leads into suicide. This is how it works. If people struggle with suicidal thoughts, it is a demonic spirit trying to kill them, but they're a progression along the way. And we have believed the lies. We believe the lies about ourselves. And Satan is a liar. He will feed us lies. And so it's understanding. There are like families of connections of this. And the Lord sets us free of us all. So I use those by way of illustration. We can think that's normal. But it's not. We can think, well, that's how it is. Well, it's not meant to be like that. And so... We recognize it, we confess, we repent, we forgive, we renounce, and then we take authority over it and say, 
be gone in Jesus' name. Your power is broken in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. It's recognizing the fellowship and the relationship and they go. Why? Because of the victory of Jesus on the cross. This is all about the cross. This is enforcing the cross. This is enforcing the victory. There is one being, there's more than one, but I'm, for emphasis, there's one being who really know their eternal destiny, and that's Satan. His eternal destiny is very secure. It is not going to change. So he will do everything he possibly can to get his cronies to pull so many people into hell with him. You know, one of my jokes is, why are so, can, why are so many Canadians so eager to go to hell? Don't they know they don't play ice hockey in hell? I, I, you know, it's irrational. We are dealing with irrational thoughts, irrational actions, irrational beings. Why? Because it's demonically inspired. So the focus is Christ. The focus is Christ. The focus is being the light. The focus is being free. The focus is getting, letting Jesus free us. The focus is being in fellowship, relationship with him. The focus is knowing who he is, who we are, and taking up the authority which he has given us. The rest is simple. It really is. It's simple. So let me close with this story. Um, it's simple. You tell them to keep quiet and tell them to go. And if it looks like they're planning not to go, you simply say, Lord, release the forces of heaven against them to enforce the cross, bind them up, and I, we remove their right to continue to exist. And they, believe me, they flee. So in England, we did crusades. Um, people off the street, we would preach the gospel, they would be saved. We'd take them to the side room and pray the sinner's prayer with them, give them literature. And then there were some people who clearly needed deliverance. So we'd have the deliverance tent. We had the deliverance tent in the middle of the field, far away from the houses as we could, because the cries out in the middle of the night would wake the neighbors. So we had to think about the neighbors. The story I was going to tell you is one night this, this young man straight off the street, he was a goth, he was totally dressed in black and he was dressed in black and he looked black from head to foot even though he was a good Caucasian guy. We led him in the sinner's prayer and said, um, we think you need to be set free of a few things. He didn't disagree. You know, he knew the lifestyle he'd just been living before he wandered into this tent. I remember this. We stood in front of him about this far away, about far away to Ron, and commanded the forces of hell to leave him now in Jesus' name. And from that distance, he was just poleaxed. He just went bang. When he got up, he was so, so different. His face was shining, he was going around, whatever happened to me? To which we said, you got delivered of demons, mate. He said, it really feels like it. 